let's get this party started. Welcome to the Blood Brothers Podcast. I'm Ben Steiger, your host, and today I am joined by my awesome friend, Hawkin Lewis. You know, as I shared uh, in, in the kind of precursor to this new uh, feel uh, that we're presenting with the podcast, uh, we're moving in a new direction where we want to be more intentional with how we use our time to tell stories of what God has done in our lives and in the guests of those who join me uh, on the podcast. And uh, man, the main, main thing is still the main thing. We want to see others, men and women, experience more freedom, fulfillment, and purpose uh, as they tap into their godly potential. Uh, you know, I invited Hawkins to come and join us today because uh, his testimony is just incredible. His story of what God has done in his life. But uh, before you get to know him, uh, well, before before we dive into that story, uh, let's get to know him just a little bit. So I got a couple questions, Hawk, you know, like icebreaker questions. And, um, you know, so we met. Uh, well, why don't you share just uh, how how we met and um, kind of that process to where you are right now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we met a little over three years ago when I decided to go through the Blood Brothers Challenge, or what was the Blood Brothers Challenge at the time. And when I first met you, a little intimidating, you're only like, so you feel like six inches taller than me. Whatever. <laughs> uh, but I knew it was, it's funny, I knew it was a God thing because he, I've been shown, like, everyone who I seek out as a mentor in my life, I am all about improving myself on a daily basis. Like, how can I do that? And when I'm in this Blood Brother Challenge and I see the guy who started it all, I'm like, I need to get around that guy. I don't know what it is, but I can just feel it. And so... Yeah, I think it was at the end of the year challenge or throughout one of the uh, group events throughout the season, I met you and I'm like, that's someone I need to get around, that's someone I need to get uh, involved with on a, on a life basis. Hmm. Right. So, dude, you failed to mention the Crocs, all right? I know, <laughs> oh, that, he, oh, I know that he failed to mention the Crocs because I, I think he's probably ashamed of it. Yes. But the first day that's true. we met... I was wearing Crocs. Well, the only thing I remember is how the Crocs were somehow the reason we lost in tug of war. And that's probably why I tried to walk it out. <laughs> so I had gotten invited to speak at uh, an event at Rivers Crossing, a men's event, and uh, just to share about what, what God was doing in and through uh, Blood Brothers. And, you know, it was funny because... Uh, you know, those guys always have on new sneakers and they're shiny and Jordans and this, that, and the other. And it's like, dude, if you're going to stand on that stage, you <laughs> better have a pair of nice shoes. Well, I was getting ready that morning for the event. And I'm like, babe, I have no idea what to wear. Like, I don't have any Jordans. I don't have any white shoes. I don't, I don't know what to wear. She's like, babe, just wear whatever you're comfortable with. So my lock, my eyes locked on my Crocs. I'm like, I am wearing my Crocs. <laughs> yep. So I get up there on stage and I'm wearing Crocs. And uh, I think I think that's really what yeah. won you over. That was it. You know, it's funny. I never told you this either, but 
outside. They had a bunch of things where guys could get together, tug of war and basketball and axe throwing. And from the get go, I'm like, I want to do this Blood Brothers thing, but I need to leave an impression. So they had axe throwing. I'm like, watch, I'm going to win him over with my awesome axe throwing skills. <laughs> and that's going to like set the tone for me and Ben. <laughs> so I did my best. I can't remember that at all. I know. <laughs> no, no pride. No pride. <laughs> all right, Hawk. So, uh, you know, that led. You just kind of on a life journey yep. and uh, where you now serve uh, on staff as our connection specialist and uh, you're going on uh, two years, mm-hmm. eh, year and a half, solid year and a half right yeah. now. And uh, man, you've just been an incredible addition to our team at Blood Brothers, but uh, man, an incredible uh, friend to me mm-hmm. and brother. and. Uh, you know, as iron sharpens iron, I consider this a two-way uh, friendship. But uh, Hawk, so what? Uh, let's hear. Let's hear about this. What do you consider to be one of the the coolest things that you have done or accomplished in your life? Just given given a little uh, perspective to to our listeners. Right. Um, so I'm one of those guys that. I like to do, I like to add anything and everything I can to what I call my life resume. Like if there's something out there to do, I'm going to do it. And basically to say that I've done it and whether it's competitive diving and swimming at the college level to nationally ranked competitive bodybuilding to powerlifting to all these uh, ultra marathons, I've done it. I feel like done it all and still trying to do more. But to be honest, after really thinking about this, I think the coolest thing I've I've done is step out on faith and Mm -hmm. to pursue a life of following Jesus and working in like ministry, men's ministry. I, uh, for 12 years, um, I was a personal trainer and coach. Like that was my life. That's what I went to school for. It's all I knew. And when I was radically transformed, I would say, and given this vision, I decided to step out on faith and pursue this calling that I felt on my heart. And that was tough to do. Um, and there's still sometimes mentally I wrestle with that because mm. I have a wife, I have three kids, I have to provide. And when you go to have that conversation with your wife, like, hey, I'm pursuing this ministry thing that, you know, I have to raise funds for. I have to pursue and talk to people and raise, it's not like a guaranteed paycheck. And but so, you told her what I said, right? You said the pay's out of this world. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was one of those things. Uh, that, to me, just resonated. I was like, that, to me, that's cool. And I don't like to say it that way, trying to be as humble as I can. But it was a, it was a step of faith. I had to. Come on. Um, so I think that would be the coolest thing I've ever done. Insane, man. Uh, I think I agree with you. I mean, you've done some incredible things, incredible achievements that require just crazy levels of discipline. Uh, you are by far uh, the most disciplined individual that I know uh, in relationship right now. And I've known some disciplined individuals, you know, triple, uh, what is it, uh, triple, tri- what is it, triple Ironman, uh, six-time finishers, and, you know, di- different things. But uh, you're a young dude. How old are you now? Just turned 30. Just turned 30. And, uh, Oh, you got a lot of drive, a lot of passion, and a lot of really neat accomplishments. And 
Uh, I mean, I think about a scripture that I've shared with you before, Philippians 3, 7 through 11, you know, scripture that is just God has used in my life to, to shape me as a, as a man, you know, and to sum it up, you know, I consider, you know, everything I've accomplished, everything I've done, you know, as rubbish compared to the surpassing glory of Jesus Christ, my mm-hmm. King, for whose sake, you know, I keep pressing on and, you know, there's yeah. more to it than that. But, uh, man, I just look at what God has done in you over the last couple of years and I'm in awe, but I'm so proud of you. I'm so thankful. But I want to hear, uh, you know, I want, I want to just hear a little bit of your story and share that with uh, our listeners. Uh, because, you know, the power of story is incredible. It is the gospel lived out. You know, Jesus yeah. interacting with us, us interacting with him. It is, it is the gospel being lived out here and now. And it has the ability to transform lives. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think that so many people have a hard time sharing about Jesus because they think that they have to know all this theological information. In reality, yes, there's value in that. But the transformation of what God has done in our life is the most powerful story that we can tell. So, uh, man, I want you to just share a little bit about how you arrived at a place where you gave your life to Jesus. And then, you know, as a man that, that was disciplined and a box checker, uh, you know, how that got you to the point you are now. And so I'll let you just kind of share a bit. Yeah, uh, no. So Ben's right. I was as disciplined as I could be at the time. Um, I was one of those guys that was in the gym six, seven days a week. And, you know, I put a lot of pride in my body and, you know, how I looked and how I performed. And, you know, looking back, I saw all the times that God was trying to get my attention because I'm the guy that has the headphones on, the hood up, the hat bill down. I don't want to talk to you when I'm in the gym. That's me. That's what I want to do. I want to get in and get out. And four or five times, this older guy's coming up to me and talking about Jesus. And I'm like, I don't want to talk about Jesus right now. <laughs> Just the way it was. And uh, but I would, I was nice. I was always a nice guy, and I prided myself in that. So I, w- I would listen to him. I'd talk to him. I'd you know enjoy conversation with him. And um, I just always thought it was weird. It could be a 40-minute conversation. And I'm like, what was that all about? And, you know, one of those times uh, in the gym. So at the time, I was in the gym, or I was at home, but work out in the morning, 5 a.m. to 7, do landscaping all day, and then I go back to the gym in the evening. And I was prepping for bodybuilding at the time. And... You know, I loved every second of it. Yes, I was working all day long, but I loved it. And one day, it starts off like normal. I go to the gym at 5 a.m., done by 7, off to work. And we had a huge storm come through. And typically, when trees come down, we do landscaping-wise, we clean up debris. So half the day is spent cleaning up some stuff. And I remember I sit down in our golf cart, and I was like, guys, something's wrong. I don't know what it is, but I can't move. Like scratching my nose was like effort. And uh, so I literally just sat there the rest of the day, did whatever I could to, you know, start moving and start getting back to normal. And, you know, I get a text, hey, we're playing ball at the gym. And of course me, I'm like, I need to figure out how to go play ball so I can get some more more work in. 
And I started feeling better. So I'm like, I'm going to go and see what happens. And I remember that was the first time where pride shows that I needed to be taken out of a game because I was struggling making it up and down the court. And that hurt me because other people were commenting on it. And that's something that wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Like they made a point to point it out and that hurt. So I was like, I don't know what's going on, but I need to get out of here. So I drove home, uh, 20 minute drive home. My heart rate was still beating 120, 130 plus. I'm like, something is wrong. But my dad comes over he's like, Hey, uh, come sit with us. It'll be okay. Just relax. Everything's going to be fine. I remember I woke up, I went, went over, hung out with him. He was right. Calmed down, went to bed that night. And I remember I woke up like two hours later with the worst headache I've ever had in my life. 22 years old. And I felt like someone was prying my skull apart. It was terrible. And my brother comes to me and he's like, dude, do I need to call mom and dad? I'm like, yes, I need to go to the hospital. I don't know what's wrong. And so I'm sitting there at the hospital and, you know, they're running all the tests they can. And I remember it plain as day, I'm sitting there in the hospital bed, IV in, and they run a bunch of tests and the head nurse comes in and she's like, uh, if this is what we think it is, we have less than 24 hours to catch it before it's too late. And me being a 22 year old kid, what I heard is you have 24 hours left before you might not be here anymore. And that really hit me really hard. And I went from crying because of all the pain that I was in to crying because, uh, I, not because I might not be here, but because I've net left nothing, nothing of myself for future generations to follow. Mm-hmm. Like it was the first time I've seen how prideful and how selfish I was because like, I, my, sure, my family, my friends might come to my funeral, but who else? What impact have I left? You know, what legacy have I left for others to follow? And it, like, I had to have a real self-reflective moment of nothing. I've left nothing. I've been selfish. I've pursued selfish desires again and again, every single time. And this was the first time in my life that I looked up to God, not having a relationship with him before, or what I could value as a relationship before. And saying, God, if you if you help me get through this, I will start living my life on different terms. Um, and so, for whatever it was worth, my dad, which is not something he would do, asked for a second opinion because the only test that they had to run that was left was a spinal tap. And this hospital did one a year. <laughs> and my dad's like, ah, I don't like that. So let's get a second opinion. So they take me up to Columbus, Ohio Med Center, get a second opinion. And the doc member, the doctor coming in with a smile on his face. And he was like, well, we ought to run the test, the test we thought we did or whatever. It was, it's a double pneumonia and severe sinus infection. Take this medication. You'll be healthy as a horse in a week. And it was just like, like what just happened? And it like took a minute for me for it to hit me. Cause I'm like, I went from, I'm not going to be here to I've been given a second chance. And now what is, what is capitalizing on that second chance to look like? Mm. And I didn't know. And that was really like the really tough for me. And there's, there's a gap there because I didn't know what to do. I didn't have a bearing of faith in anyone in my life to look up to. Right. And so fast forward. And so I, I, that was the moment I said, there's something different here. 
Like God saved me. I don't, but what's that look like? What's next? And it took a couple of years until me and my wife found Rivers Crossing. And I'm like, there's something here. I want to prosper in life. I know I do that by getting closer to God. How do I do that? And because of the discipline that I've had my whole life, I was like, okay, let me make a list. This guy from stage, this preacher from stage, says you need to do these things on a daily basis. You need to read your Bible. You need to be at church every Sunday. You need to start serving. You need to start tithing. You need to start being a good guy. All these things. And I'm like, okay, that's easy. I can, I can do this. I can check the boxes. And I'm checking the boxes, and uh, yeah, like I feel good, but... Nothing's changed. There's still that void we talked about that just wasn't being filled. Mm. And, uh, you know, the, there was a men's conference and I'm like, maybe I'll learn something here. Maybe I'll figure something out here. And I go to this men's conference and it was amazing, right? But I'm a self-development guy. I've been to almost every conference you can be and get like, motivated for a couple hours. Like I get what, like I get why they do that. And then to me, I, I almost saw through it. But in that, I also saw like, hey, there's a Blood Brothers challenge. And I didn't know what it was, but I knew I had to do it with outdoors. And I kind of knew Ben at the time from that hour that I've interacted with him. He seemed like a cool guy. And I'm like, let's see what this is about. And I remember that although checking those boxes was a good thing, and I was becoming a good person by doing that. And people saw me as a good person. All of that paled in comparison to pursuing a relationship with Jesus. And I realized that was what mattered. Those things help cultivate that. They help grow that. Um, when you're doing them to grow your relationship with Jesus. And so that's what, like, I, when I understood that, when I saw that, it's like, that's what I want. That's what I'm missing. I'm missing a relationship. And so that's like that whole, like, you know, people talk about, you know, being saved in that moment. And yes, I truly believe on that hospital bed, that was it. But I truly also believe that like, it was Jesus walking with me. Like, here's the way. And he met me where I was at. He didn't wait for me to get there. I think too often people think I need to be perfect and then find Jesus. And that's not it. Jesus wants you where you're at so he can take you to where he ha- he sees you in being. Yeah. And so, uh, that, yeah, that's, that's kind of it. Mm. <laughs> I might, uh, I might, uh, it took a little bit longer on that, but that's, that's my story. No, that was so cool. You know, and, uh, the reality was, is that your identity was in what you could achieve. Yeah. You know, absolutely. it was in the, the accolades that, uh, discipline could bring you the achievements of doing more mm-hmm. you know and uh, your body you know was your god to some degree and, uh you know but the deal is is that when you gave your life to christ and you started digging in and recognizing that it wasn't about checking the boxes it was really about eliminating the boxes <laughs> and allowing jesus to validate you and uh you know through that process though, it wasn't like your your identity and your accomplishments just went away you know, it, yeah. it was a process. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons I'm so proud of you, so thankful that uh, you are a friend, a brother, and a ministry partner is because you took this very seriously, more serious than uh, probably anybody I've ever uh, met. 
And that's why you are one of my awesome uh, friends, just somebody that I look up to uh, in, in different ways that you said, you know what? Uh, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. And, and I recognize what it's going to take for me, for you, to experience freedom, fulfillment, and purpose. And it doesn't involve checking the boxes with my achievements. Mm-hmm. What would you say it involves? What would you say your life is now about? A, it's a, a daily... A daily understanding, you know, I want to say that. I want to say it's, it's daily pursuing Jesus. You know, we talk about it all the time. More Jesus. Like, I, I see it every day. Like, if I'm struggling with something, what does putting what does putting Jesus into that more do? Like, and it's, it's as cliche as it may be. If I'm in a situation where I might be struggling or might be trying to be putting my own hand on it, it's what would Jesus do? the way that he would react or the way that he would behave or the way that he would have faced that challenge is a lot different than my, my secular selfish desire would because of who I was. Yeah. And so that's, that's what it said. Daily understanding of how can I be more like Jesus and how can I lean on him daily? Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. You know, it takes the burden off of your shoulders and, you know, it puts it at the foot of the cross and yeah. it gives it to Jesus and, that is such a beautiful thing, you know. You know, as you said, we say more Jesus, like He is the answer and the solution to everything. Now we don't mean like magical mystery. Jesus is just going to completely uh, fix things with the the snap of fingers, uh, but Jesus enable or, or or gives us the ability to tap into supernatural strength to see uh, his Holy Spirit come in us and to work and to uh, renew us and liberate us from areas that we don't have the power to get through ourselves. And, you know, I've seen that just, just work, uh, that process work over and over through you, you know, where you've been awakened to something that God's called you to, you've engaged in it. Uh, you've allowed the Holy Spirit to equip you in it where so many people fall off because the equipping stage is where uh, you have to let go. You mm-hmm. have to relinqu- relinquish control and you have to let God do his thing. Yeah. And then ultimately you have a decision to surrender to the call to turn around and run the other way or to say, all right, Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. let's do that. You've done that. You know, so to our listeners, uh, anybody that were to have the, the privilege and honor to know uh, Hawken individually, uh, they would completely be able to say he is not the same man that he once was. And there is something about Hawken that, that I want, that I want to experience. And, uh, you know, so many people uh, want to give Jesus just parts of them, a little bit at a time. And, uh, Dude, you said, no, I want to give it all, you know, and you're just giving chunk after chunk to him with, with no fear, no holds bar, no holds bar. Like you just, uh, you say, Jesus, I want you to have your way, uh, with me and to our listeners, that's possible for you, uh, that man, the, the more you give the father, hmm. the more faithful 
uh, he proves himself. The more you give the Father, the sooner you get to experience freedom, fulfillment, and purpose this side of eternity. The more you give the Father, the sooner you are able to be in the vessel, the man, the husband, the father, the friend, the, the woman, the wife, the mother, the daughter, that you can be, that you could be, that you should be. And so uh, Jesus has a way of transforming and liberating us, but he also loves us so much that he will allow us to devastate our lives. And you were pushing yourself so hard, mm-hmm. so hard that, that you made yourself sick. And, you know, maybe maybe you really did have whatever whatever that that deal was that you only had 24 hours. Maybe Maybe God supernaturally said, all right, He's serious. I'm serious. You got pneumonia. (laughs) You know, we we don't know. But, you know, God used that, that point in your life where you felt devastated uh, to draw you to him. Mm -hmm. And so many people look at those areas of their life where there's adversity is this just sucks instead of opportunity to say, God, what's going on and what do you have for me in this? So uh, final words, Hawk, if you were to give our listeners uh, just just a few final words to to encourage them based off of what you've experienced. And so, uh, you know, quickly your life has radically uh, been changed in Christ and also in your career path. And now your life is all about helping individuals step into their godly potential. But uh, what words would you leave for our listeners? We are meant to be, we're meant to be a light to the world. And I say that because like a a life motto of mine is, please Lord, help me get one more. Please help me reach one more guy, one more person, one more man, one more child, whoever it is. But like God has like, that's why God lets us go through stuff. That's why he lets us experience stuff so we can be the light to others. Our purpose is people, whether that's in our purpose is whether it's loving God or whether it's loving your wife, loving your kids or loving the people that he bestows and puts in front of you. And so do your best to be that light for them because you don't understand, you don't know or understand how bad they might need it in that moment. Mm-hmm. Show up with your best being the light of Christ because the next person you meet might need that more than you think they do. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, man. I want to read that, uh, that scripture, Philippians 3, 7 through 11, and leave, leave them with, with that on my end. And, uh, you know, it's Paul, and he says, uh, But whatever I used to count as my greatest accomplishments, I've written them off as a loss because of the anointed one. And more so, I now realize that all I gained and thought was important was nothing but yesterday's garbage compared to knowing the anointed Jesus, my Lord. For him, I have thrown everything aside. It's nothing but a pile of waste so that I may gain him. When it counts, I want to be found belonging to him, not clinging to my own righteousness based on law, but actively relying on the faithfulness of the anointed one. This is true righteousness supplied by God, acquired by faith. I want to know him inside and out. I want to experience the power of his resurrection and join in his suffering shaped by his death so that I may arrive safely at the resurrection from the dead. I'm going to read on just a little bit. I'm not there yet, nor have I become perfect, but I am charging on to gain anything and everything the anointed one, Jesus, has in store for me. 
and nothing will stand in my way because he has grabbed me and won't let me go. Brothers and sisters, as I said, I know I have not arrived, but there's one thing I am doing. I'm leaving my old life behind, putting everything on the line for the mission. I am sprinting toward the only goal that counts, to cross the line, to win the prize, and to hear God's call to resurrection life found exclusively in Jesus, the anointed. Oh, man, that is Amen. so good. And uh, that can be true for uh, anybody that is willing to give Jesus just a little bit. You give Jesus just a little bit and you watch what he does with that and how he transforms and liberates your life. So thank you for listening today. Uh, we're excited to have you back uh, for, for our next podcast. But in between now and then, will you help us out? Will you share this podcast with your family and with your friends and uh, subscribe to the podcast so that we can grow this, so that more people can experience what you are experiencing uh, through this, but share it. Some people need to hear it. Testimonies are the power of the gospel lived out here and now. Until next time.